cannot believe what he said to me. I know, I can't either. Who does that man think he is anyway? Thinks he can tell me what to do? I, I show him. That's right, girlfriend. You know that's right. I can't believe he would say that. He ain't right. He well, ain't right. while today's Bible study podcast is not quite as dramatic as those two, we will get to see the Jews asking the same question. Who does Jesus think he is anyway? So stay tuned for today's Bible study podcast, starting now. Hello and happy Friday to you. Welcome to Bible Study Podcast once again. My name is Justin and I'm your host as we journey through the Gospel of John in an attempt to get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a bit more every day. Thanks again for listening today, and if you would like to get in touch with me for any reason, feel free to drop me an email at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com, and I look forward to hearing from you all. As promised, since you guys keep sending in workout tips, I, I'll keep delivering them to the masses. So, An anonymous tip sent to me was that when you do sets of exercises, as opposed to just doing maybe 10 repetitions of one, when you're doing several sets, you should take a 30-second rest in between sets. Now, the listener says this will give your body enough time to recuperate somewhat before your next set, and it will at least ensure that you don't overwork yourself, that you breathe some. So uh, give it a shot and see how well it works for you. Again, thanks for your fitness tips, and if you have some advice that you think would help others, please send them to me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. By the way, in case you wondered, uh, since I've been on my exercise kick the past month and a half, I've dropped 8 pounds, and... My wife actually says I'm starting to look like I'm in shape. So, hey, that's better than, you know, looking like I'm a pile of jello or something. So, I'm right there with you guys as we all try to stay in shape so that we can be better servants for our king. And with that said, let's go to our king in prayer to begin tonight's study. Our precious Father, we praise you for your magnificent works. Help us to remember your splendor and the beauty and help us to turn to you in worship as we do so. Please grant us our needs, Lord, and be with us as we labor to get to know you more. It's in the name of Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, it's been a long time since we've gotten back to our passage here in John 8, verse 25, but if you've got your Bible available, and if it's safe for you to do so, please join me there in John chapter 8. Now, please remember with me from this context that we have seen Jesus deal with the woman caught in adultery, and we have heard Jesus proclaim that he's the light of the world. This, of course, brought opposition from the Pharisees, who decided to challenge Jesus on this claim. And that, of course, led to Jesus' response that his judgment is true, and that where he's going, the Pharisees can't go, leading us to the conclusion last time that Jesus gave the Jewish leaders, and that is that they will die in their sins unless they believe that he is, in fact, to God. So with that background in place, we open today's lesson in verse 25 of chapter 8, where we see the Pharisees now asking Jesus, Who are you? Or as the Amplified Version translates it, Who are you anyway? Now, I firmly believe that the Jews were completely perplexed at this point. I don't think they had a clue where they could go from here, and so they just put out a flyer. They shot out a question, you know, Who are you anyway? Now, there are some commentators who have kind of conjectured that Perhaps these Pharisees may have realized that Jesus is alluding to himself as God and, and they're trying to get him to admit that he's claiming divinity, you know, so they can bust him. However, I think that train of thought may be giving the Jewish leaders a bit too much credit for this question. 
I think they've just gotten to the point where every attempt they've used to get him to slip up has failed. And, and they're just at the point of saying, in exasperation, who are you anyway? Now, I don't want to make this lesson seem too far out there for us. You know, I, I feel like we oftentimes see the Jewish leaders and kind of look at them and, and in the back of our minds think, man, these guys are morons. You know, how did they not get this? But don't give yourself too much credit either. You know, I have to temper myself from this as well. I, I think we've all been in their shoes before. All of us have probably had someone who wasn't exactly our favorite person in the world around it. And you know as well as I do what we try to do in those situations. We don't want to come right out and say, oh, we don't like that guy. I mean, he's awfully popular. And, and if I speak out against him, it's going to make me look bad. You know, so, so what's my only other solution? Let's try to bait him into looking bad on his own. But you've tried that over and over again, and, and he keeps passing your little traps every time, and eventually you just get so fed up that you come out and say, Hey, who do you think you are anyway? You know, what What made you right? Who made you king? I, I think this is exactly where the Jews are at, and I think it's the predicament they found themselves in. But I don't think the Jews were ready for the answer that would come from our Lord. For you see, Jesus' answer was dramatic, and I would imagine very heated. His answer is, what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. See, Jesus is not going to give them a chance to trap him here and to say anything. He, he just points out the obvious. You know what? I am who I have said that I am from the beginning. What is it I've been telling you? You know, what have I been saying to you from the very beginning? It's the same thing. I am the Messiah. But he doesn't stop there. He recognizes the very problem that we mentioned in the last section. And that's the sin of the Pharisees. And he points out that there are many things which he could say about them. And things which he could judge them for. But he's only speaking the things which he's heard from the Father. In other words, Jesus is letting them know that they will face judgment for their lives. They will face judgment for their ignorance in this situation. They will face judgment for not knowing. But he's not here to do that right now. That time will come. But now he is only speaking the things which he has heard from the Father. In other words, he is now only telling the world the things that the Father has said because the Father is true. But as we have seen in verse 27, they still don't get it. They don't understand that Jesus has been speaking to them about his Father as the one who sent him. And so as they look on in confusion, Jesus continues in verse 28. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. This word for lift up is the same word that was used back in John 3.14. Talking about if the Son of Man be lifted up. And and it can be translated as exalt, or put up into a place of prominence. You see, friends, this is a reference to the cross. What Jesus is saying is that when you crucify me, when you lift me up, you, the Jews, you're the ones who will do it. And when you do that, you will know that I am. Notice that he is in italics again. I am. That I am the Messiah you've been waiting for. And it is then that you will realize that I do nothing on my own initiative. I do nothing on my own agenda. 
No, Jesus is saying that he only speaks what the Father has taught him. And his Father, the one who sent him, is with him. In fact, he goes on to say that the Father has not left him alone, for he always does the things which are pleasing to the Father. Now, I think this is a fascinating view into the relationship between the Father and the Son in the Holy Trinity. We see here that the Son has willingly submitted to the authority of the Father, but in doing so, the Father never leaves him, because the Son is only doing the things that please the Father. Do you see the love that is being displayed here and being modeled for us? You see, in the same way, we should willingly submit ourselves to God, and we should be about doing the things which He has taught us. But since we are submitting ourselves to His will, He never leaves us. Why? Because we're doing the things which please Him. What an incredible goal for us to live up to. But this passage is also a key stop on our trek through John. You see, Jesus has made it clear that we have now passed the point of no return. We are heading smack dab toward the cross, and there's no turning back. The Jews have gotten to the point that there is no way they even understand the truth of who Christ is until they see him raised on the cross. The cross is inevitable, and Jesus has pretty much just intimated that it's only through his death that these Jews listening will even have a chance of coming to know him. It's not that they don't have a choice, it's that their hearts are so badly out of whack. Their minds are so closed, they can't hear the voice of God. They can no longer see what is before their very eyes. And it will take the cross to penetrate that. I think it's interesting that John closes this little section for us here in verse 30, saying, As Jesus said these things, many believed in him. I found it kind of funny, to be honest with you. You know, It doesn't seem like a message of hope. It doesn't seem like a joyful homily, which leads people to line up in droves for an altar call. You know, It doesn't seem like what you're taught to preach like. In fact, he's even told a number of them that they won't even understand who he is until he's been raised up. And they still don't have a clue what he's talking about. And yet, the message of the Savior is strong enough that even this statement leads the lost unto salvation. We'll see Jesus' command to those who believe in him next week, but as we close today, allow me to leave you with this thought. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, you know, if we're going to say that we are those who have been saved by the blood of Christ and we're now living as his disciples, then we must seek to imitate Christ and as he was the only man to live a sinless life, as he is the model for us. And that's why I believe this final statement from the lips of Jesus is so key. As it shows us part of what we are called to do as Christians. We're to fully submit ourselves to the will of God. This means we're called to obey what he has commanded us to do. This is why John will write in 1 John 2.3 that we will know if we're in Christ by whether we obey his commands or not. It's not a legalism. It's not saying we're saved because of that. It's saying that now that we are saved, we're imitating Christ. And what does Christ do? He submits himself to the Father. And in return, the Father does not forsake him. Because he's doing the things which bring the Father pleasure. And in the same light, we are to do those things. So friends, we see why this day of Scripture is so vital. Because it's the only way we can know what, is, what it is that God commands us to do. You know, we see why it's important that we trust God. We see why it's important that we be about 
following the ways of God. Because that is what brings him pleasure. And that's our, that's our command. It's who we're called to be. And so, friends, as, as you go, I want to encourage you to look to the one who's raised for us. Look to Christ Jesus. And until we meet again, may God bless and keep you. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Jesus.